You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Outspoken. Welcome back to your hot mess Sunday. Beautiful Sunday out there. Your yes, boys are back yes, on the mics. We know you were dying mm-hmm. this week without us. That's okay. You can stop dying because we are yeah, here. You can stop breathing. You, you can get resurrected now. That's You're hurting me right now. <laughs> uh, we've had like three shows before today's show. Like yeah. just all morning. Because we've been yeah. here way too early. And I've had a, like two cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Which is which is entirely dangerous. too much for you, right? And the studio is packed, and those are my favorite days. Mm-hmm. So we have people who we're not allowing to speak because we're control freaks. I just want to say, while we were getting coffee, this is a little sh- short story we'll share. While oh, we were getting coffee, okay. we, you and I went down to uh, the regular place down here. Yeah, and um, the guy who works there brings out a little cup for for someone else. Um, yes. He's like, "Hey, twelve ounce meow." Yes, and, that, and we that was were so dying. It was, and so we asked funny. him, did you seriously just have a 12-ounce meow? meow? So we oh. thought it'd be amusing if all of their drinks were animal noises. Yes, so, you know, so, and they have to be yeah. noises. <laughs> they have to be like noises. 12-ounce. Yep. yep. I'm going to do that. So we're actually opening moo. a coffee You're shop fine. now yeah. <laughs> called Animal Noises. And welcome so. to how our brains work. Yes. So it was a lot of fun. He didn't find it as entertaining no. as we did. No. Yeah. So also, I go there all the time, and he's never seen that side of my personality right. because I'm always there during the business week. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to be serious, Very Jonathan. kind and yeah. smile, serious, Jonathan. And so you and I were having a lot of fun and he looked scared. Yes. So. Yeah, he, I don't know. But Some people don't know what to do with us. If and you that's haven't okay. been to a good coffee shop, I will say Cafe Avocado down at the Serenade Commons. It's Avocado, not okay. Avocado. <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm trying to make it healthier, Sergey. <laughs> Cafe Avocado. All of, <laughs> this is I mean, all try find that one too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and sued Cafe Animal Noises. Yeah, there you go. By right, Sergey and Right Tonic. next to Avocado, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's our cafe. I mean, la- we are moguls. Yeah. We're going to make a lot. I, I'm going to be the gay Oprah. That is just yeah. what's going to okay. happen. I believe it. I believe it. So just to let everybody know, so we were going to have Deidre Lovejoy from mm-hmm. the CBS drama American Gothic on, also from Ang Lee's new movie, um, that's coming out in November. She unfortunately had to pull out due to plane schedules. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to be a fun show because we're going to be talking about the book by Brene Brown. It's called uh, Daring Greatly. It's all about vulnerability, creativity, and embracing that. So we're going to have a good show. Uh, lots of you are going to call in as we talk about the importance of vulnerability in our life. Mm-hmm. Some people know, like they don't yeah. want. And some it's people don't like vulnerability, be. and that no, makes and sense. and they see it as weakness, yeah. and we want to have that conversation, um, because if you get a chance, Brene Brown does a lot of TED Talks, and it's amazing. We were talking a mm-hmm. lot about the LGBT community, especially since the Pulse shooting happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel very vulnerable, right. and so to embrace that vulnerability with all of the violence around the world right now is very, I mean, it is very terrifying, and some of us would rather hide because that's your natural instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about this and have a real conversation with all of you yeah. out there. So wait for the second hour. And uh, that'll be good. There's definitely a positive side to vulnerability. And um, that's something I like to explore. Uh, I've done that for the last like two or three years. Just try to be more vulnerable. No, Hard. It's been, it's been um, annoying. It's been annoying. Right. Jonathan hates it. It's okay. I, d- you know, like I Control said, I accidentally freak. cry all the uh, time. Right. And so I'm texting you <laughs> yeah. 80 texts yesterday. Oh, oh, God. And I'm like, 
I'm reading this book and I'm in a coffee shop <laughs> and I'm crying in a coffee shop yeah. and people think I'm weirder than usual. Yeah. And so that's what it's going to do to you. It, this is an amazing, mm-hmm. important conversation. Mm-hmm. And so um, we welcome you all to call in, but wait until the second hour. Some of you have been really excited and call before we even came on the air. So that's love okay. you, but that's let's okay. wait till like 105-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of vulnerability and creativity, Sergey, you are going to publish a, n- a new article. Yes. We yeah. haven't written <clears throat> in... A little, in a little while. bit, and just a bit. Um, I was inspired this weekend, so I sat down and um, just wrote just whatever was on my mind. So I wrote a little bit about you know the journey of vulnerability, how mm-hmm. to you know how I found my footsteps within um, life, really, and especially after everything that happened, and how I blamed mm-hmm. it all on you know the city here and well, and you take and it from other people. the concept of being an immigrant, right. basically of right. coming over with your parents mm-hmm. from Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm at two years old right. and and how everything became about the world that you ended up in mm-hmm. and that's the easiest place to put blame instead of looking it's a really Look good article yeah, exactly. i read it exactly. I'm, I'm in you did yeah you I'm, edited it I'm down thank you for that by the way um yeah it's it's Critique. you know what you're just gonna have to read it it'll be up later tonight um on mm-hmm. our website hotmesssunday.com and um, look for yeah. local publications look for it and for I exactly. feel like the people in studio didn't know that was our website. I, I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't know that's our website. Okay, but that's so that. everybody knows <laughs> if you want to know all there is to know about the boys, it's hotmesssunday.com. And I will say when we launched that a few years yeah. back, I had many people ask me if it was safe to type that in their browser. Yeah. <laughs> you're <I'm>, fine. <laughs> as long as you type it in directly like Hot that, you're Sunday. good. Yeah. If you kind of mess yeah. the letter, I... I'm not responsible know. for what we you find. Know. Yeah. Not. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a hot mess in this studio for sure. Anyway, so look for Sergey's new article mm-hmm. uh, and also in local publications. Um, yes. Yeah. It'll be out there. Um, probably not fun. tonight, but soon. Right. So also this week for everyone who's listening, we love you so much. You know, twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we love your support and we need to support the station that allows us to have uh, this amazing show. We've been on almost three and a half years now. Uh, but the fun drive, it's time for Fall Fun Drive at mm-hmm. KYRS. It starts tomorrow and goes the entire week. We will not be on our regularly, regularly scheduled program this next Sunday. Um, but the fun drive will be. Mm-hmm. So we'll be in studio on Tuesday being cheerleaders and we're going to be crew leaders. That was a mistake on someone's part. Yeah. It's get, they decided to get, let us lead for some reason. I know, right? So Don't know. Sorry it's, to who we're leading. It's going to so be So Tuesday fun. night might be a But mess. this is the night, you know, we need to support everything mm-hmm. that KYRS allows us to do here. So 13 years KYRS has been in a station. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. When a lot of community radio stations are... Uh, going down they're mm-hmm. not they're no longer able to support the towers and the way they get the yeah. the signal out there so 13 years really excited so please listen all week as those start happening tomorrow we are going to go celebrate your birth an amazing day yeah we, you, you and i are taking off a weekend much needed and heading over to the land of leavenworth we are and i'm really excited because i do not celebrate my birthday no, i you try don't. to pretend it doesn't exist yeah. and this year i'm going to embrace it and we're going to do it. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, that's happening. So we won't be here, but we will be returning the following week. So be sure to tune in. I know a lot of people are really sweet and listen every week. Um, mm-hmm. We will be back. We promise. Until then, you can always go for our podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find us go. on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, Podbeam, or anywhere you can download podcasts. Exactly. We're on there. Now let's 
do a little teaser. Let's talk about some theater you and I were mm-hmm. able to see before we get into some fun guests that we have actually in studio. You texted me and said, okay, I just saw this great show. It's by Modern Theater. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, title of show. So title of show, I saw this um, way back in high school. Uh, I went to the International way Thespian in high uh, Festival. Yesterday. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Um uh, in the, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I saw that there, and I loved it. And ever since, I was like, "Well, I just I have to see it next time I can." Right. So it's here. It's right. uh, Modern Theater put it on, so I saw it, and I was like, "Jonathan, we have to go see it. We have right. to go see it." Um, and then after you know talking to you about it, I decided, "Hey, Friday night, you're free. Right. I'm free. Let's go to dinner. Let's go Let's do to this. see the show." And it was amazing. Yes, and it was downtown. And mm-hmm. first thing we said when we left. Just so everybody knows, is I I said this place should be sold out. I mean, yep. it deserves to be oh, it, yeah. packed. One hundred is first of all. So we love seeing theater mm-hmm. locally, but um, and we will you know kiss up to the modern theater right now because they always do great shows. And this one, the acting was on point. This yep. show I had heard of, of course, way back when it was getting a lot of attention back in the day when it first came out. But it's a it's an ensemble, a small ensemble cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You when it's like that when there's four people on stage and you're you know a accompanist you have to be good at acting to carry that story you, you have to be talented to make to make that length of time in those chairs not feel like torture mm-hmm. i mean the smaller the cast the more you can't you know it's trick of mirrors i mean you can't do that you have to really be out it. and those actors were so good. They did it. They had the personality, the talent, and the uh, the voices there. I mean, and that's a hard place. If you haven't been down there, it's at Ella's. Um, I think you can go see it today still. Uh, no, you cannot see it today. It's a lie because it closed last night. Because it closed last night. But the acoustics <laughs> in that room are us. really weird, but they did it so well. Right. They did it so well. So you I'm impressed. You did have to get through the minefield of all the construction oh that is going God. on. But I know, that's ridiculous. it was worth it. But what's good about, so this show is about these two guys who are mm-hmm. writing a play. They want to write something. They want to send it into a festival. Yeah but they haven't written anything and they have three weeks to get it done. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very, it feels like theatrical version of a reality show because it's really just <laughs> what they go yeah. through. Yeah. And you and I, because we're schmaltzy and, you know, sentimental, of course, they're the whole, we're like, oh, our story is on stage. <laughs> they, this was written about us and afterwards we're crying. I mean, yeah. it's just a mess. Really good. But this is what theater can do. Theater has this amazing power. So we love theater, and mm-hmm. we're always going to two different shows. So we're actually going to transition that and talk about the next production that Modern Theater has coming out mm-hmm. um, with some of the, the cast of Chicago. We um, are. Some of you might have seen the movie. Some of you saw the play. But we're going to talk to them after we do a our tribute to title of show yeah. we're gonna we're gonna listen to one of our favorite songs from um from the show it's called a way back to then so here it is dancing in the backyard kool-aid mustache and butterfly wings hearing andrea mccardle sing from the hi-fi in the den i've been waiting my whole life Find a way back to them I aimed for the sky A nine-year-old can see so far I'll conquer the world and be a star I'll do it all by the time I'm ten I would know that confidence If 
way back to So I bailed on my hometown and became a college theater dork. I was eastbound and down, moving to New York. So I crammed my life in a U-Haul to find my part of it all. But the mundane sets in. We play by the rules and plow through the days. The years take us miles away from the time we wondered when. Find a way back to them And when you least expect Opportunity walks through the door You suddenly connect With the thing that you forgot That you've been looking for And there you are Right in the middle of what you love With the craziest of company You're having a kick-ass time And being who you wanted to be You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Outspoken. It is, and this is exciting mm-hmm. uh, for me because we I love when we have live guests in the studio. I love Especially that. when it's about theater that we love. Uh, this opening this weekend, September 23rd, it runs through October 23rd uh, at the Modern Theater downtown, which is 174 South Howard Street main stage. We have the musical Chicago coming to Spokane. And we would like to welcome four of the cast members of Chicago to the studio right now. I'm going to have each of you tell us your name, full name, and then what your part of the show is, and then we'll move forward from there. My name is Quinn Vira, and I am playing Roxy Hart. I'm Andy Myers, and I'm playing Amos. My name is Abby Crawford, and I'm the director. I'm Angela Pearson, and I'm the choreographer and playing Velma Kelly. So much fun. So let's start with, we'll have Abby, you uh, give us a synopsis for people who maybe don't know or didn't see the movie, haven't seen the play, of what is Chicago about? Uh, Jazz, booze, murder, and dancing. (laughs) That is all you need. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) The key ingredients to any good show. Right, and (laughs) any great story. (laughs) Yeah, right. The show actually has... uh, um, not a lot of people know, but the, sh- the show is actually based on events that happened in 1924, mm-hmm. um, based around two women. And actually, there were a number of others because it was during the Prohibition. It was during jazz. It's when women were standing up and saying, yes, I will shorten my skirt. Yes, I will cut my hair off and wear red lipstick. And you can't do anything about it. And if you try, then I will shoot you. Right. Um, right. You know, right. It, it was it, hardcore. It's, it's <laughs> that idea. But the, uh, there was a journalist who was covering these stories. And in 1926, she released a stage show about it. And then Kander Neb took that stage show and turned it into the musical Chicago that you know today. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, very heavily danced based as well so Bob oh, Fosse so had a, a lot of uh, say in making that a right. very you know very specifically right. a Fosse show well and with this show specifically you have to have 
Fosse movement. You just mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. have it. it. That's like going to see Les Mis and not seeing them do the step at the end of Act One or right. the flag. Right. Or you, you, you can't yeah. go and see that and be mm-hmm. okay with it. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to see some of those things. And so we definitely have that. We have sort of a different play as far as the set and how we're setting it up. It's still the same Chicago though with the Fosse and with mm-hmm. the music and with right. the intense and um, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm it sure it is. What kind of work goes into, you know, putting that <laughs> choreography and making sure everything is, you know, perfect and in in step and yet having that twist that modern theater always does? Well, I think a lot of it comes from a really strong production right. team. Uh, myself being the director, I my choreographer, Angela, my um, I have a set designer, I have a strong stage manager, I have a light designer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all mm-hmm. these things, a costumer. So we, we have all these things and we sit down before the show even opens and or before the rehearsals start and talk about all of the ideas. But generally, as the director, I get to have a vision. I get to put my vision on stage and then everybody else helps me with that. And it's always, um, we have the ups and downs and right. all the yeses and nos that go along with it. But once we get to where we are, like today we're doing our tech rehearsal. This is our first tech rehearsal with sound and lights and costumes and everything that happens with that. And then so for the next week as our tech week, then we get to work out all of the little bits and pieces. And then Mm -hmm. by Friday, when I sit down in the audience and watch my brain on stage... I hope everything goes really well. Right, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, always very nerve-wracking <laughs> for directors. It, because it is. You let's go sure. and right. hope to hell it all came Right, through. and when you see a show like you were talking about, title of show, they're great actors, mm-hmm. great everything, They, but it takes a director to say, this is how I want this to be, and if you right. don't do that, then this will fall out of place, or this will fall out right. of place. Right. But with any element with live theater, Something is inevitably going to happen, but whoever is on stage can generally handle. I mean, there's some great stories about live issues that happen, and you just throw your hands up and say, yay, live theater. You're not going to get this anywhere else. But we only have five weeks to put the show together. Well, really, I only have three and a half to four, so I can get everything on. So by the time that we get to Tech Week, then everything's set. Mm -hmm. And uh, things might change. We'll see. But but. You get that four weeks to get everything set, and it's so fast. And it's yeah. we have very little time. We rehearse in the evenings from six to yeah. ten mm-hmm. because most of us, because we're local, have day jobs. Yeah. So right. we work right. all day long. We come in, we do the rehearsal, and then we yeah. set up the show the way that it needs to be set up. Well, talk, yeah, it is intense. Talk to us a little bit about the local aspect. Everybody that is almost everybody that is on the show is locally based, and it's local talent. Correct. And you did bring in a few people from out of town. Correct. Why such a focus on local? Uh, we have a massive pool of talent in mm-hmm. the Inland Northwest. Yep. I think it's really important uh, as the mission as far as the modern theater is concerned that we use as much local talent as we can. So we fill out all of our shows with local talent. And if we can't find exactly what we need, then we'll pull from uh, people who have auditioned from out of town as well. We have a th- three in this show um the two are with me today and then uh, our hungarian hunyak uh, she's such a beautiful <laughs> dancing dolly um mm. but she is from out of town as well but i think that's it yeah there's just three but um for the rest of the season i think there's one other show that has somebody from out of town but otherwise it's all local sure. because These are we your have neighbors you're mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. yeah, neighbors, people, people baristas. No. <laughs> 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 you know, we we have people from all over the city 
who love the theater and have a passion for right. theater. And right. because we are semi-professional, we want to make sure that people are being paid something for their time. It may not be a ton right now, but we're right. working toward being a, a fully professional right. theater. And mm-hmm. anybody who ever has done theater to get uh, anything, five bucks for it, you just feel <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, And let's talk about not only from the directing having to sit in that audience, with a show that is so heavily based on this, these amazing, this amazing dance and choreography, what's it like when you're in it? Because you play Velma mm-hmm. as well. When you're in it and you, you have to be in character and yet there are the dancers you've been training this whole time around you. What is that like? Uh, there comes a point like just last week where you kind of have to set yourself apart mm-hmm. and be like, okay, now I'm just going to be in it. And right. Just <laughs> my director and that the actors will do their right. job and do the moves right. Um, that's been tricky in this because for I choreographed Wild Party last right. season right. and that mm-hmm. I was just there to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I trust them. They've all got it. I had a full week with them to oh, work great. on the choreography right. and get right. as much cleaning done as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just ensuring that they have the slinky Bob yeah. style mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. we I used some of his original choreography nice. in oh, all that awesome. jazz yeah. especially and yeah. then because it's so iconic finale yeah. exactly yeah. that's yeah. what people want I to come see oh, yeah. exactly. you can't really redo what no. he has done no and he's now the that uh, <laughs> when the movie came out a number of years ago it even is now even more people have mm-hmm. been exposed to this amazing right. show and I think, what is the pressure of doing an iconic number like Cell Block Tango, <laughs> which now so many more people see? Mm-hmm. What's that pressure like? There's definitely pressure, but I feel confident enough in my work Good, that, yeah. I, um, yeah. that I've done justice to it. We did a little differently with the monologues, taking right. more time with the acting mm-hmm. at the beginning, yeah. and then building into the hard choreography. Um, but yeah, again, I just feel confident in what I've done in that. They have the fire to right, right. do it okay. justice. Okay. Yes. Now, you two are from <laughs> out of town. Yeah. How is it working with a cast that, you know, you might not be working with on a regular basis otherwise? You know, you just met them. You're here. You're not really in this community um, quite yet. Where, where are you from, first of all? Um, I am originally from Glasgow, Montana. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and for me, I was here last year and... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, made... Okay, um, I was in... Rock of Ages and the Wild Party. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so I made some really wonderful friends. Good, so yeah. coming back, um, I think that's what I was most excited about. Mm-hmm. To do a dream show, of course, but also just to be surrounded by all my friends. And um, I just really like this town a lot. So sure. Nice. Sure. Yeah. Well, we love hearing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll let you stay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the best parts about being a, a, a gypsy or a traveling sure. actor is we get to go into these towns for, say, six weeks or two months right. and just take advantage and spend every day exploring and right. soaking up everything that we can. And where do you travel. hail from? Well, I'm actually originally from Montana as well. Um, my, you know, I hold an apartment in New York, but I just travel around. I spend a lot of time nice. in Arizona, a lot of time oh, in sure. Montana. Hopefully Spokane is now a regular stop. And so. <laughs> That's amazing. And let's get to, I always think of Velma and Roxy as the precursors to Thelma and Louise. <laughs> and I think they, I honestly think they stole it from you guys. They don't more dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little more music and dancing going on just here, and there's you're not you know trying to kill yourself at the end. So this is helpful. But what's it like having to have that relationship, having to make sell that relationship? I mean, a lot of people out there that are listening are not actors, you know, and they don't understand that. What's that like? Not only do you have these great songs together, but uh, you guys have a very 
unique relationship, really, in getting to know each other and, and respect what each other brings. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? I think, well, we're such <laughs> good friends in real life yeah. that it mm-hmm. makes it really fun because most of the show we are just battling each other. Which has been hard. <laughs> yeah. We love each other. Uh, we tend to giggle a lot but <laughs> <laughs> yeah for um, us we got to begin our relationship because we were in rock of ages together sure mm-hmm. yeah and so it's just be it's been very natural right um, right and by right. the end of this show we're just having a ball together getting right. to dance together yeah exactly what well, final number <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, you got to see them do hot honey rag because every time oh. they do it they're they're smiling so <laughs> much <laughs> they're giggling and they're having so much fun and you just want to be up there with them it's sure. so much fun yeah that's come so just for that well come for the whole show but right watch come for, for that, that. Watch, <laughs> watch all the numbers mm-hmm. and let's talk about uh, you know, John C. Riley made uh, the part of Amos, so uh, he really filled that. This guy, mm-hmm. he's kind of sad, and yeah. he kind of <laughs> just, you know, is that he gives up on things. What's it like to fill um, that role? Well, the song in particular, Mr. Cellophane, is one of mm-hmm. my favorite Kander and Ebb songs, and it's really one of their mm-hmm. songs that has truly um, transcended the show, and so oh, many yeah. people use that in a cabaret act, and it's been done so many times. So the payoff of that song is so great as an actor. Um, the role is hard because it's easy to fall into a trap playing the quote quote pathetic character. Because yeah. like the last, you know, within the first two lines, the audience could be like, "Wah wah, who's exactly, this guy? Yeah. Bring back the dancing girls!" You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's fun, and I, I just, I am very much enjoying the scene work and the people I've met right. in town. Um, and it is, it is a fun role. And then I get right. to watch it. That's the joy of a role like this. It's right. such a cameo. I get to just sit back and watch. Yeah. So right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the best kind of role. Talk about yeah. vulnerability, which is yeah. going to be this show. Mr. Yeah. Self. Yeah. It talks yeah, to that. Absolutely. Uh, immensely. So bringing a show to Spokane, that isn't always safe. It's not, you know, um, the, the it's easiest to watch for a lot of people. And so, how, what's the response been like? I mean, it's the Inland Northwest. We are not always the most liberal or progressive, and we don't like to push the envelope. Um, has there been any response already, um, or has it been pretty well accepted? Not not yet. Not yet. I think it's a well-respected show, and I think right. the way that we are presenting it will yeah. make it... Um, I don't want to say easier to swallow, <laughs> but because it's one of those shows where you really just want to just yeah. keep chewing because right. it's such a beautiful right. show. And the the message within the show really is more about the human condition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your ego and mm-hmm. the want to be in front of people and to be acknowledged. So I think if people take it that way rather than looking at it as uh, slinky or dirty or, you know, right. murder and right. booze, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. I, I think that they really can see underneath the rest of it. And Kander and Ebb present it beautifully. They, it's one of the best shows ever written, in Absolutely. my humble opinion, which yeah. I understand <laughs> right. is not very humble, but it's, it's one of those Humble perfect- but accurate. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. But it's one of those perfect shows, and the way we're presenting it is um, more along the lines of like a graphic novel or a comic sure. book. So it's more of the story, and you get to see the story as you go along. Right. And even our character, oh my God, our character portraits. The guy who's doing our set, his name is Jeremy Whittington, and he is oh. brilliant comic book artist so all of our character portraits that are coming out are they're they're done as comic books so um it's a it's a beautiful way to i think just say here here's a story and the story is going to be about booze murder dancing Mm -hmm. unmitigated ego Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's it's all it's all in there and the cast has really rallied around that idea and the set really lends to it too it's 
beautiful. Nice. So I don't I don't necessarily think that there'll be people who good, are upset good, good, by it good. because it's such a legendary show. Well, and it, it, it is, you know, it's right. hard to be upset with something that's been classic for right. so long. Now, right. when they t- when they turned it into the movie, which is right. one of my biggest issues with movies that are turned from musicals, you know, uh, Les Mis or Into the Woods or right. Chicago right. or uh, um, what's the one? Bar- uh, uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Do you know, they take out pieces of the show yeah. that need right. to be there. Right. Yeah. And to me, the show that was originally wrote in all of its glory, that's that's the one everybody needs to see. Mm-hmm. Good for them to put the movie together so, right. can, so more people get to see it. Right. But and really, hopefully make them want to see right, the, the stage show. Yeah. And they'll yeah. see people who have not seen the stage show and just have seen the movie, they'll be really surprised. Right. Exactly. Know, there's right. a lot more to it. Exactly. So. Yeah. I like to say that when I go to see a movie that is based on a play that you, and especially one that you've seen and you love, you have to separate those parts of your mind. You need to look mm-hmm. at it as a movie and know that it's a different creature. Yeah. Right. And it's and made it's to be the more. the only way to yeah. live through the experience. Yep. And you, I get, still you get to it. listen right. so much more to the text. I mean, yeah. right. you, you right. don't get, see, one, you don't get maybe the advantage of having a montage, but right. you just get Quinn on stage for five minutes doing right. Roxy's monologue and it's right. actually exactly. so much more powerful. Foxy, Rather than seeing a whole montage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this show. And I also think that, and, you know, everybody puts their own meaning behind what they're seeing in theater. So this is probably just my own. But I always, <laughs> I also think that they were very timeless because I feel like it's making a comment on something that is going on right now that we talk about on our show all the time. Mm-hmm. And we talk, we do talks out in the community about responsibility in media. And I really feel like it is making a comment on you can, you can change everything, the mass. Uh, acceptance of what you're doing and change the way people see it based on how you sell it in the media. And yep. I really feel exactly. that's what this show that's is saying. Absolutely, it's yeah. absolutely that. And the the one character who has the say in everything and everybody listens to her is Mary Sunshine. Yes. And you don't get to see that much in the movie. But no. in the show, she's got a much bigger part. Yeah. And it's exactly that. She it's, For her, she's kind of like, like Fox News. Like, yes. oh, well, they said it. It must yes. be true. Oh, you know? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> you know, and she but, wants that. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but... but it's it's her ego too because nope. Billy Flynn's talking to her and exactly. oh and he's gonna tell her the whole story you know yes. I mean it really is a lot like that and yeah. how the right. pub or how the media takes things and twists it and yeah. turns it and you don't know what's truth anymore mm-hmm. exactly very seductive it's it's the you know that part of our media experience so I think it's saying a lot about today and yet packaged in this timeless absolutely brilliant musical you might just learn something by accident. Which is the greatest theater (laughs) ever known to man. Let's go down the line and find out what's your favorite part of the show so far. Oh, goodness. Um, I really love the hot honey rag at the end. Just because that's like my biggest dance number in the show. And um, it's like the end of the show. So all the stresses away you can just dance your heart yeah. out <laughs> you get to like. celebrate you get have a little party right. yeah. but oh, like great. like andy was saying i really like the text and the monologue is really fun mm-hmm. um i think with these musicals sometimes you can forget about the book and uh oftentimes i find myself loving the book and the text um just as much as the right. as the songs and dancing so awesome and you sir well, I mean, cellophane was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my highlight of the My evening. big number. Right. Um, I actually right. had a cool advantage. I came in two weeks late to rehearsals because mm-hmm. I was wrapping up another contract. So um, 
I was fortunate that the modern staff was able to negotiate my contract coming in late. So I actually got to come in right away and watch the show already sort of in place. And then Abby just and Angela just sort of threw me in. So it's been uh, great for me as overall with the process to have to find how I fit in what they created, which was really cool. I've never worked from I've never felt like I'm catching Mm -hmm. up the whole time, but it was awesome to be that way. And I love watching um, Angela and Quinn. This Roxanne Velma. Because it's a classic. I mean, there's nothing better on stage than the classic female frenemies. Mm-hmm. Like that tension. It's There's nothing better than female frenemies on right. stage. So right. true. <laughs> Best theater. <laughs> For me, I would just have to say getting to do this great role sure. because I'm generally choreographing and I've kind of been placed in a bubble around mm-hmm. here as the dancer. And so getting to do a major role along with all of the dancing and with a great friend has just been like a dream. That's so me- it's yeah. making me tear up. <laughs> it's a little reunion. <laughs> so. And for the director. I think for me, when I was first offered this show to be the director of the show, I had to make a choice because I've always wanted to play Mama. And I've always wanted to play Velma, but I'm mm-hmm. too old to play Velma now. Or uh, I don't think I'm too old to play Velma, but I don't, tr- I'm, I don't think <laughs> I could dance it. But um, so I had to decide what I wanted on my resume. Right. And so I chose to direct it, Mm -hmm. which I think for me, it's a, it's a big thing. I've had a number of big shows that I've been, that I've directed, but to have something so legendary (laughs) and think, okay, because I choreograph my own shows, Mm -hmm. but I could not do this one (laughs) at all. I mean, I could look and be like, guys, do it like this. And I would never be able to do it. So I think the best part for me is that I get to say, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. People do it, and then it looks lovely, you right. know. And we just got the band in this last week, and it sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing. So for me, it's sitting back. The my favorite part will be on opening night mm-hmm. when I can just sit back, right. and I right. know I'll right. still be nervous, and I'll want everything right. to go well. But at that point, I get to say, "All right, it's yours now." Yeah. But to see my brain on stage really it's a lot of fun and to have such fantastic actors to work with so i mean the whole the whole ball is just it's it's all my favorite sure oh my god i'm so excited to see it i know our listeners are dying it opens the 23rd so this Mm -hmm. weekend runs through october 23rd where can we get tickets you can go to the website, www.themoderntheater.org, uh, to get the tickets. They are on the front page there. There's a mm-hmm. link, and um, the, they're on sale now. So. Yeah. So get them. Listen, get them. let's support theater in Spokane. Sell the shows out. You will not regret it. I'll, I just want to see it over and over. So definitely do it. We okay. want to thank each of let's you for it. coming in and spending time with the boys today. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah. you. Our pleasure. And because now you know we're so much fun, you'll have to come back on any show that you do. We're all <laughs> yeah. about that. So, But we are going to play a song from Chicago. We are. We are actually going to play Mr. Cellophane. I hope I haven't taken up too much of your time. You are back with KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. That was uh, Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. And, and we do hope we've taken up a lot of your time. I know. Because we plan I to take so. up more. Yeah. Just it's funny so. because back here, Jonathan is actually singing it. And there's yes. a whole show. And yes. that's okay. I can do the whole soundtrack. Yeah. That can be the show today. There you go. Just me singing Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I feel like the whole studio just shrunk. Um, It did. Four people just left. left. And they all have big personalities like us. I feel kind of empty. I know. I feel sad. sad. 
Well, sad and sad. But like we said, theater, there's nothing more mm-hmm. inspiring than seeing live theater. Although I, I want to say when we went to title of show, there was a girl who obviously drug her boyfriend yes. with her and he was not impressed. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, I want to watch football. Yeah. I mean, it was very much, he was eh, not you know. thrilled and he kept looking around. I'm like, thing. dude, just embrace it. You're stuck here. Right. So. But here's the thing. If there's any show that you're going to drag your boyfriend to, I would think that's the one. I mean, it has everything. It has some vulgar humor. It right. has funny moments. It has... <laughs> I mean, I don't Let's know. Let's be honest. The Must show be. you want to drag your boyfriend to is Chicago because lots of eye candy for oh, him. Oh, that's because true. scantily clad true. dancers. True. You know, true. basically, I think the goal of that show is the less is more. Less is so, more. So, because mm-hmm. it's very sexual. I love I it. I love that. I'm going to It's enjoy. flirtatious. It is. It, and it's done right. Well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know about this version. <laughs> I'm sure it is, I'm going to say I think it is. It, but, I think it yeah. is. But, you know. I trust Abby's vision. I, I trust that it is, yes. Yes. Um, so, anyways, we, we definitely support. Yeah. We do support a lot of people in the community, and a lot of people in the community support us. Outspoken receive support from Instant Sign Factory, celebrating 25 years serving the inland northwest indoor and outdoor sign needs. More information at one 778 7446 and online at instantsignfactory.com. Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at 232 West Sprague Avenue, more information is available at 509 747 1621. Outspoken receives support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Spokane, serving the community with a non dogmatic religious environment, welcoming all people regardless of race, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Information online at uuspokane.org or 509-325-6383. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, visit pridefoundation.org. So thank, thank you, you to all of those amazing people. Yes. Um, we're going to get into a different segment of our show now that we've done our uh, loving theater. Mm-hmm. And get into a little bit of the dish, things that are going to going on around the country, around the world. Right. And uh, we're going to talk about it. Sadly, there's not a lot of, I mean, when we talk about the dish, it's usually a lot of what is happening that is not great in our world because there's a lot of that. We're going to start off with Missouri, actually. You brought this to my attention uh, this week and, and, and posted it in the Facebook page we usually find our articles in. It is disturbing. Honestly, like pisses me off. Yes. Well, we talk a lot on the show about gun control, especially after what happened Mm -hmm. um, on September 12th at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Well, Missouri has a Republican-controlled legislature. um, And on Wednesday, they voted to enact a law that will let citizens carry concealed weapons in Mm -hmm. public without a state gun permit or a criminal baptism background check or firearms training so yeah, just basically here's a gun yeah and, and and it's legal they support the stand your ground laws so basically don't go to missouri no because if someone feels like shooting you they're gonna shoot it's the wild west it they're is gonna shoot you and the law is going to support them what's even worse is where police officers were allowed to block the purchase of a gun from somebody who has a history of of domestic violence, they no longer can do that. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, I'm just i just waiting for the free-for-all people just killing everybody. And you know what? what? It might happen what because... It's like a no-gun control. It isn't. None. Yeah, loosening it up completely. Like, they untied it. There's there's no lace on It's just open. 
open-ended gun laws. Here's the thing. They can, if they feel threatened or they feel like you are uh, and they just offending have to them, feel it. it they can have feel to be it. Real. Exactly. They are allowed to shoot can you, about, and the state will support you because can you we talk felt about racism, self-defense, and how some people feel threatened just by someone being yeah. African American? Exactly. And that's going to be now. Listen, Governor Jay Nixon actually tried to veto this back in June, and right. the like I said, Republican-controlled re- legislature then they decided to push it through, even though he had vetoed it once. Here and here's the thing. I'm all about, I do not believe this was using the system mm-hmm. by any means. I feel like it was someone hijacked the system because let's be real. Can we at least agree that it's such an extremist response? It is. No gun control at all. You can't say that there can't be some right. gun control. I get if you feel like certain laws the Democrats are trying to push through will be too much for you, but you basically took everything, all safety everything. measures and allowed it to be a free-for-all and what's even more concerning is this didn't draw a lot of national attention yeah, because it was kept hush-hush. Why not? Who, you know, someone should have been screaming. And this smells very strongly of the NRA and a oh, lot of money going though? into their pockets. And you, why is the NRA hijacking our country? And why are we allowing And it? why are we allowing them to? Yeah. Exactly. We cannot let this happen. I mean, this isn't just the only state. There are 10 states uh, that have gun loosening laws on the books yes. right now yes. and not all of them are as intense but still i mean here's the thing you are right it is like the wild west and it is i remember an episode of south park where they go hunting <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just gonna say this they go yes, hunting and they just have to say they have to say oh the bear's attacking me shoot it they just have to say it's coming right for us and then coming they can right kill us. anybody they want and because that's, that's what, what i feel they do. about the stand your ground literally with no other you say it's coming right for us and shoot Whoever you, you want. want. That's it. And that, that's going to protect you. Uh, the the mayor, of course, or the governor, I'm sorry, Nixon, um, is a Democrat. Yes. And he vetoed yes, he it is. in June, like we said. And his, his cautionary caveat was he said it would allow individuals with a criminal record yeah. to legally carry a concealed right. firearm, even though they had been or would have been denied the permit mm-hmm. under the way the law used to read. Tell me, please, how that's okay. Yes, exactly. We. This is where the argument from people who are mad in Second Amendment, mm-hmm. I believe, falls apart. Yeah, right. Because you've taken off, are you serious that we should be in the Wild West, that no one should have any gun laws, and we should all just be able to open carry without a permit, without training on without how to use a background the gun, check? and without any a criminal that. background check? You it, think that's yeah. okay? And yeah. if you think that's okay, how much is the NRA paying you? Yeah. Actually, how what is the cost of that? How I'm much with is you. This, this makes cost? me angry. And you know what? It's it's just so ridiculous because people with a criminal record, they a lot of the times can't get jobs. They no. will be screened. They can't get apartments. They can't get basic needs, but they can go out, have a gun, and then and shoot taken, someone and say, you be, were offending me. And, and you've that's taken okay. away all other options that's for it. them. Exactly. So they're, they're going to have to go back to a bad. life of crime yeah. because you make it hard for them to live. And but then, we're going to put a gun in your hand and say, what are you going to do exactly. since you can't make a living exactly. and live? One dead person left and another person in jail. Yeah. What is the cost of this bill truly? This, do you understand? This is an irresponsible law yeah, and I an irresponsible even. use of the system. And for the Republicans down there to, to even even have any reason saying yeah. this is okay, I, I'm i sorry, your argument is not accepted here. It isn't. How dare you? How, How dare, dare you, you is right. 
I can no. There and and as somebody who will be willing to listen to the other side, I'll hear you out on your right. gun control, on the fact that you maybe want more freedom for that. Right. Fine. But this Have, is ridiculous. Yeah. This is not. This is not it. A logical or rational Mm-mm. decision. Yeah. It's not. Right. And. And I, I can have those conversations, but not if you are not going to be rational at all. What I will tell you is I'm not visiting Missouri no, ever. No. Until that law is taken. Because you, I could make you feel threatened by being gay. Absolutely. And you're going to shoot Abs- me. And so. here's the thing. I'm just going to say no. that St. Louis is already on the books for one of the highest crime rate cities. Mm-hmm. What do you think this is going to do? You're right? not fighting that. You're helping it. You're encouraging yeah. it. Here you go. Please continue. So shame on you to the Missouri legislature. Shame on you to the Missouri Republicans. Uh, yeah. And everybody who has yelled at us at Facebook about our, our stance on stricter gun laws, feel free to yell at me about this, but there really go is ahead. no argument you can give that yep. makes this make sense at all. None. None. Yeah. This is no regulations is not better regulations. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. me let's be honest. We're trying to keep our citizens alive. You know, yeah, not kill exactly. Us. And and what are we doing instead? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, oh we'll try gosh. to breathe. Yeah. Take a well, Xanax. Well, here's another kind of um, you know <laughs> expected, but uh, mm, not not mm, a great story. Not fun for anyone. Um, it, and this one concerns gay athletes, and specifically in Christian schools, but all, all around. So um, there was a young uh, gay athlete uh, who was an incredible had an incredible story that wanted to share it, wanted to mm-hmm. go public with it. Um, and it was a Christian college in the South where this was. And uh, there, there's not a lot of details, of course, because... Uh, not he, a lot he, has been released yet. Right. And he was going forward with the story and loved it. But then, you know, just before it's about to run, calls the editor and says, no, I can't do this. Uh, apologetic. They're going to pull his scholarships. They're going to pull everything. Yeah, if it's going to affect my very life yeah. right now. And how how are we allowing schools to still do that? And to allow them to hide behind yeah. their, what is the word, the strictly held religious beliefs. Yeah, exactly. But see, we've said a thousand times on here, you don't get to use your belief system mm-hmm. to take away the rights of someone else. Right. I think everybody should live together. I don't have to believe what you believe. But when I start believing that, oh, I don't think you should exist mm-hmm. because of a belief system. No, if we're going to say take everything to to ground zero and have everybody be equal which where we should be you can't you can't use the same argument that we want special rights and then you go and decide you want them too yeah you know you can't call us out for it as gays and lesbians right. and then decide but it'll work for you it's that's it, not how this yeah. should work and now you're threatening the to future scholarships that's the future his of life. a young man who exactly. has worked hard, and the only reason you want to pull it is because of his sexuality yeah. and not based on the merit mm-hmm. of his work. I think, I mean, yeah, you you need to question your belief ridiculous. system. You do, and you know, and this young man uh, specifically went to this school because he, you know, wanted a school that supported his beliefs and mm-hmm. wanted to go to a Christian college, right? Um, but to see, you know, I just can't imagine what it would feel like. To have them turn their backs on you like that, right? You, I mean, to be betrayed. To be betrayed, exactly, by your own team, by your own school, mm-hmm. by your own beliefs, and then system. to feel like you can't even tell your full yeah. story because right. the school has let you know that they're going to be major yeah. ramifications to your future. And yeah. to everyone who's going to yell that, well, you could have chose a different school. Let's face it, most mm-hmm. people that are minors, which is under eighteen years of age 
don't get to choose the school they go to because you are your parents choose it. So there's a number of in-the-closet gay athletes and gay individuals mm-hmm. who are sent to belief-based schools they because are. it's their parents are in control. Right. So you can't say, right. well, he could have chosen somewhere else. Well, not everybody can. Mm-hmm. So, and what means... What gives you the right to say he has a belief system that he believes is, you know, that he believes aligns with his values, which is Christianity, but he's not allowed to really practice it because there's a part of him that can't be accepted. Exactly. He should be open. He should be allowed to and open to practice Christianity, practice, you know, his sports and be an open gay man. That should be allowed. Why are we taking that away from him? Now, we're still in that conversation in the U.S. because of all of the RFRAs and all of these laws that are being put out there that are you know, as a lot of the other side would say, that are these sexual conversations, um, which when when they're conversations about sexual ethics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that makes me angry because no, me being gay is not an opinion on sexual ethics. It it's isn't. just who I yeah. am. E- exactly. Yeah. I can't believe we're having those conversations. And I just, I just want to say, about a month back, we interviewed C- Sid Ziegler from Outsports, and. <laughs> in that interview, I remember mm-hmm. him saying that uh, LGBT—it's not, not that bad. Gay people in sports aren't being shamed and aren't being uh, discriminated against. It's all open. It's not that bad. Right. I just want to ask you again: How are gays not being mistreated in sports? Because if these stories are still here, and just what, because then what, what is it? Some of What's us happening? might be living a life of a little more privilege. That's, does yeah. not mean that's the reality for mm-hmm. everyone. So to discount. All Every stories. story. And he did. He he made us a little upset, not going to lie. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to call it as it is. You know, that's I'm, you're entitled to your own opinion, but I'm not yeah. saying it's right or but a good opinion. <laughs> right. That's all. We are not supporting it. So, yeah. uh, and I agree with stories like this mm-hmm. that actually come out a lot. Yeah. Um, a ton. Especially with the Obama administration mm-hmm. trying to enforce Title IX to include trans people in right. the schools. Right. And of course, that's being hotly contested. Mm-hmm. This is still. A problem, yeah. That's happening yeah. now. Let's let's talk a little bit about trans. This is kind of a, a short little story that I was interested in, and you you also mentioned it's kind of cool. I mean, uh, this the this last week, Alexis Arquette's um, passed, away. passed away. She's forty seven, forty seven, an um, actress and a and a, um, a advocate star. and an activist yeah. and a and a trans uh, individual. Yeah, which is amazing, and her story is is great. But you know, passed away, and. Um, there were some sex videos that surfaced. Ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And uh, was offered an ex-hamster, the the porn company online, um, mm-hmm. uh, went out and about. bought them and, you know, and made sure they had every last tape and yeah. destroyed them. Paid good Paid money. Paid good money to destroy and, and make sure. And what they did in the end. So they, they buy them from yeah. the ex-boyfriend who's trying to exploit right. uh, someone who has died. Right. And then, and he's assuming it's going to be let out for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. And instead, xhamster.com chose to, like you just said, chose to say that this is not a way to honor the memory of someone who worked very yeah. hard for the trans community. So they destroyed everything. What? What a classy what? move. Class act. Well and done. typically, class act in porn company is, is not, not two words we use. No. They're not two phrases no. we worked. Not at all. Together. Not at all. Shocking. That, uh, you know, I just want to say I'm impressed. I am too. Um, I'm happy that that happened. Right. I'm glad that they didn't continue. They could have made money beautiful. off of it. They could have, you know, have a bigger bottom line after that. But um, that just shows that, you know, there is a little part of humanity that still exists and people still do uh, the right thing, even though they have 
the opportunity to mess it all up and make some more money, but they did right. the right thing. But, That's amazing. I think it brings more, even more respect to the issue because mm-hmm. because we expect right a porn company. We to expect do them to do something dirty. That, yeah, yeah. And in the end, and uh, for everybody, so Alexis Arquette is part of the Arquette family. Mm. Uh, Rosanna Arquette, um, uh, David Arquette, uh, and then um, Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. There's an acting dynasty in this family. Um, so they were all around Alexis when she passed, or actually she's chosen to be called he in the later parts of life. And so what a way to also respect the family right. and say, this is your time and we're not going to let something take it away. And uh, I I just thought that was mm-hmm. beautiful. It Absolutely was. beautiful. Absolutely. Now, before we get to a song break, I also just want to mention um, happening the, just this morning, um, NYC, uh, New York City, Chelsea explosions. There are a few explosions in New Jersey, um, in the Chelsea neighborhood. Uh, and I just want to say there there are a lot of victims. There's 29 people uh, that suffered victims for, in the Chelsea explosion. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say our hearts go out to them. And I can't Definitely. believe that and still stuff like that happens. And yeah. it's, you know, we hear about one every every week, but there's stuff happening like that every single day. Every day there's... Um, you know, shootings, whether it's just one person, we don't really yeah. hear a lot about well, those. Those don't make the news, but you know, so there was another bomb found bomb in Chelsea. There was there another was a dirty mine and mm-hmm. dirty bomb. And then just before that, um, the day before mm-hmm. there was a bomb in Boston near right. a marathon that was happening, a Marine yep. marathon that was happening in, uh, Minnesota, I believe at yeah. a mall, a man stabbed eight people. What? Yeah is happening and we want <laughs> what to, is happening in our world and we do want to honor everybody who has unfortunately been involved in those situations but mm-hmm. don't you think it's time for us to start asking ourselves what is happening i exactly i think this is just a good time for us to reflect take action and ask why the heck missouri can do something so crazy and why we right. don't make it a big deal Well, and we're going to be talking in the second hour with uh, you, our listeners, uh, as we talk about this, how do we stay vulnerable Mm -hmm. in a world that is based on fear lately? It is. Because the enemy of vulnerability is fear and shame. It's the way to shut it down and not connect with each other. But part of the problem is that we do not connect Mm -hmm. with each other. And in that, that walling off of ourselves, we become numb to another human being being just that, right. another human being. And then these random acts of hurting each other break out everywhere. So how do we do that? We're going to talk a little bit about the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, a PhD, um, who talks about the importance of finding your vulnerability in the world because she believes greatly mm-hmm. that that is what is affecting our culture and we right. need right. Our culture has been hijacked, and how do we bring it back? And she believes it's in reconnecting with our vulnerability. How do you do that? We're going to find out what you guys think after the break. I'm excited for it. Let's listen to You Get What You Give by The Main. All right, you're back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Outspoken. And here's the thing. So we told you in the first hour that we were going to have Deidre Lovejoy, who's from CBS's American Gothic, on. And unfortunately, due to some flight scheduling mishaps, that didn't happen. But you want to know what I love about our listeners? So we had to decide what we were going to do. So I've been reading a book by the amazing Brene Brown. She is a researcher, PhD, Mm -hmm. and she has been doing for the past 12 years 
research into vulnerability right. and how important vulnerability is. We talked a little bit before the break about her, her thought process on our culture and how we're very fear-based. And the only way to get back to, to less violence is to connect with our vulnerability. Her book is called Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. So what's amazing about our listeners is we put out there to the Facebook world, Hey, what do you think about vulnerability? When you think about it, why is it either a pro or a con in your life? Mm -hmm. And where are we uh, as creative individuals, as each of us are in life, and how vulnerability fits in there for you? And people just started writing and The response was huge. Yeah, and I thought, first of all, love everybody who listens Mm -hmm. and love everybody on our Facebook page because you all made this amazing. But first of all... That's work I'm doing yeah. currently. Yeah, you and I share. I sh- we share a lot together, but I share that with you what I'm going through. But but Sergey, you recently wrote an article that is very honest about your journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, from mm-hmm. two years old on up, and what it was like when you realized that happiness, which you were always seeing as a destination, and that destination was outside of the place where you're at right now, mm-hmm. and you made this fundamental shift in your thinking that said that you realized happiness is not that destination. Happiness truly is a vehicle right. that you can use every day. Talk to us a little and bit about that. You know, I don't know what daytime moment, you know, I didn't wake up one day and, you know, like got hit by a car and was like, oh my God, I need to change my... No, there was nothing like that. It was a gradual change. And, you know, just one day I started to think about it. I was like, well, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not as happy. What could I change? What What would get to me? Um and, you know, I realized that, okay, I've been working my whole life to get to this happy place, somewhere out there, somewhere in the future. I'm going to get there one day. I'm going to be miserable right now. Right. All of this is going towards Life is going to suck. That's all I have to do. Yeah. And I accepted that. But, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, wow, I could be miserable for a long, long time before I get to the happy. Why do I need that? I don't need to be miserable before I get there. I could be happy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, it was kind of a fundamental shift in how I saw things, how I perceived things, what I did. I invested a lot more time into me, into being happy. Um, definitely changed a lot of things in my life. Well, and and a, a good question I think that I've been, I've been kind of thinking about is, will future me benefit from this? Do it for future me because it's hard right. to do it for yourself right now. It's easy to do it for future yourself. Right. You know? And one of the things I want to mention, like we've been through a lot together. I wa- Everybody who hears Sergey, he is a cheerleader. He is probably one of the most positive people I know mm-hmm. in my life. And yet I watched the dark times. You did. Yeah. And the truth was you were done. Mm-hmm. You really gave up on I life. Did. I did. On the things that mattered to you because you just at that time decided to accept that that, that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. In being willing to be vulnerable and look at yourself and say, okay, the truth is I'm not giving it my all. The truth is I'm only, you know, half-assing my life right now. And the truth is I need to allow that acceptance and allow that vulnerability in order to, to move, move on. forward. Exactly. And, and in order to share as openly and as you work. have in your new article. It, absolutely. It's work. It's not like, you know, one day you wake up and you're like, I'm just going to I'm just going to do this. I'm right. just going to switch. Um, but it's work every single day. It's, you know, you wake up and you have to realize, listen, today I'm going to do it. And sometimes you don't. 
right? And sometimes exactly. you do. Keep moving. But we want to know what our listeners are thinking when we talk about vulnerability, which is a huge uh, topic, mm-hmm. just saying the word alone. And so we're going to open up the phone lines right now. And right now we're going to take a call from John Brennan, who hails from Spokane, Washington, because he's got some things to say to us as well. John, are you there? I am here. Hi, John. Hi, John. So glad to have you on the radio. We are great. Great. But I want to know what you think about vulnerability. Um, Well, vulnerability for me growing up was a touchy subject. You just couldn't do it. Right. Right. And was that Um, because, why was that? um, I grew up in a large household, and people took advantage of you if you were vulnerable. Sure. Um, Basically, the lines were, you never let anybody see you cry. You never let anybody see you hurt. Right. You just didn't let it happen. It, w- it was the masculine thing. You had to be a certain level of masculine man up and not let those things get through. Is is, is that a big part of not being vulnerable? Um, that was part of it, and a lot of it was you didn't want to be taken advantage of. Gotcha. Well, it's like I think we see it, especially in our culture, as maybe a sign of weakness. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that come up a lot. Now, now, so you're a grown man, uh, you know, you're creative, you're out there. Do you allow vulnerability in your life, and how do you use that as a source of strength instead of a place of weakness? Well, for me, I'm, it's been years that I've been working through this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of years, and I've even had to put myself in the recovery because I used to drink over it quite a bit. Oh, right. Um, but for me, and it started out with a lot of hurt and pain. Right. And as I progressed, it turned into freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And not just freedom in relationships, but freedom with me, dealing with me. Right. right. And to get all these things out of my head and out of my heart yeah. really takes a huge weight off me. Yeah. Now, John, I want to ask you, what advice do you have for listeners or for anybody out there you know who wants to you know start that journey of being more open being more vulnerable vulnerable get through the pain uh what have you found that you know is has been really helpful in your journey um a lot of it has been talking about it I mean, even if it's just a stranger i could remember a couple years ago flying back from chicago because mm-hmm. i had to go to a buddy of mine's funeral and I was dealing with a lot of the pain then, mm-hmm. and I just happened to talk to a Baptist minister. Never met the guy in my life. I ended up talking with him, and it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had, especially in an airport and in all the places, to just let myself go. Right. Um, there's a certain freedom that you get where... I mean, it's just out there. You don't have to deal with it anymore. And letting go, I mean, it's still one of the hardest things I'm, I have to do on a daily basis. I do a lot of mm-hmm. prayer and meditation over it, too. Right, right. And do and you... I'm just being honest with myself. And don't do you feel like... So a lot of people talk about um, when they begin that work of vulnerability work that pre that, they felt blocked. Like they felt stuck in whatever part of life they felt stuck in. And although vulnerability was very um, scary, it it opened up avenues they never understood were even there for them. Is that kind of, is? do you feel that same way? 
Um, yeah, to a point, but at the same time, trying to surround yourself with individuals that can pull that out of you. Right, um, yeah. I remember when I was first exploring this journey, a buddy of mine told me, well, congratulations, I have good news and I have bad news for you. The good news is you have feelings, the bad news is, or the good news is you have feelings too. Right, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, and today, I mean, I, it's a constant struggle, but it does get easier. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole, I mean, it, it's, you start out being like a raw nerve. You feel right. everything. Right, yeah. It, and it, it is, it's such a, it's a struggle, but it's really something you have to do and get over and, you know, you learn to do it. You learn yeah. because that's what you yeah. have to do. Well, and I think yeah. one of the things we can take from what you're saying, John, is the understanding that, I mean, you talk about prayer and meditation. It's not like, it's almost like every day you need to choose mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. You have to choose to be open. It's not our natural yeah, knee-jerk reaction to life, our natural re- knee-jerk reaction to a lot of the pain is to shut down, um, and as you're saying, you know, it's that it's that consistent focus on I need to be I need to be open. So, John, thanks so much for taking time to share what you think about vulnerability on our show. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> Thank All you, right. sir. No problem. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And that was uh, John Brennan from Spokane, Washington. One of the things, one of the greatest quotes I read in this book mm-hmm. by Renee uh, Brene Brown was, "Shame started as a two-person experience." But as I got older, I learned how to do shame all by myself. And I think as a culture, we do figure that that's out. Exactly. That's so true. I think shame starts with the culture, of course, and, you know, you kind of build it up. But shame really starts with your parents. That's yeah. the very first place well, you find shame. That's the beginning of what you learn. Exactly. And it's, I, I'm a huge believer in that shame is taught to us, and it's taught mm-hmm. to us right away. It's taught to us by, don't do that. People look at you weird. Don't, yeah. do, don't do that. Yeah. That's not okay. That, yeah. And all that stuff. Instead of, you know, having a conversation. And those, some things aren't okay. I mean, right. you know, some things you do have to understand. Listen, we we don't do that. Right. That's not how we behave. Well, and you have a conversation. You don't ever put shame in there. You put understanding and knowledge and exactly. empathy and other and things. They're l- tools. The LGBT community... community probably have a, a lot of, un- I mean, all yeah. of us have vulnerability right. issues, but right. I think, you know, we learn half the time our parents are freaking out because they're worried about what other people are going to think. Don't right. be gay because what's that going to say about my parenting? Exactly. Don't be gay because exactly. what are they going to think about you? And that's a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. It isn't about, this is just who my child is. I think a lot of fear comes out of that. Oh yeah, um, it is fear. And it's a lot of selfish fear too. A lot it's of a lot of what fear. are they going to think about me and my child? And, and what, what do you they... think about this issue, this this mm-hmm. concept that Brene Brown brings up in her book, Daring Greatly, where she says it's a cultural issue. It oh, is yeah. not just, 100%. it's not just specifically, we have made, you talk about parents putting, teaching shame to their children. The parents learned it from someone because as an mm-hmm. overall culture, mm-hmm. we're really good at making shame and fear the way right. we control everything. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's exactly how it goes. We we learn it from our parents. They learned it from theirs. And then after we learn it as young kids, we learn it in schools. We watch it in mm-hmm. movies and TV and media. It's everywhere. Time and again. And then you have this, this thing going around, this epidemic of people mm-hmm. saying they're not happy. Right. They're miserable. Right. They're angry. Mm-hmm. They... And then we act out in different ways because we cannot allow ourselves to be human. 
Exactly. I mean, because that is not. Yeah, that is not. You can't be human because I guess it's wrong to be human is what we're teaching people. Right. We are teaching that we're not. You know, we're saying that we can't have these feelings. Shut them down. But by you don't, you can never shut it down. Like, you know, Book of Mormon, they have the song, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah. And then once you do that, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And then the vent just blows up. Yeah. And it has to go somewhere. And And I say, I live by the quote, uh, destruction only begets destruction. It is with uh, creativity. Mm Mm-hmm. That brings life. Exactly. And, and speaking of. Speaking of creativity, we'll bring someone creative on to like give his side of, you know, the opinion. Lance Babbitt, are you on? I am here. Huh? How hey, are you? Hi. Wonderful, sir. How are you this morning? Thanks for taking a minute. I am doing very well. I'm doing very well. Busy good. but good. Right? Which is great. And one of the things, so uh, we're lucky enough to already know you on the show and you work, we've been having a great theater show. We just had the cast of Mm -hmm. Chicago in, in the first hour. But one of the things that we're talking about is vulnerability as the vehicle to being creative. And that honestly, if we, if we block that part of us, which so many of us want to do because it's based in fear and we're afraid to be vulnerable, it really also takes away creativity. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I agree. I I don't know that true creativity can exist without vulnerability, because you're not open to anything. To me, vulnerability is being open and letting yourself be exposed Mm -hmm. to new things, different things, painful things. And I think if if you shut that off, you're just not... You're not doing yourself any favors, is what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how does creativity, and you know, the result of that is art a lot of the times, theater, movie, music, anything. There's there's so many forms of it. How does that art inspire us to be vulnerable, you know, again? Uh, to me, I think it's, it's, it's a weird double-edged sword. Right. Vulnerability begats art, but art can also make us vulnerable because we'll see a new part of a human condition, mm-hmm. a part that maybe we don't want to see or we just, we're afraid to see. But I think if you open yourself up to it, it can be very beautiful sure. to me anyway. That's, that's what I found. I mean, I'm old and I've lived a long time. <laughs> and it's taken me, and to be honest, it's taken a long time to get to that. Right. That, avail, that availability to open yourself up to, to be vulnerable because mm-hmm. it, it, it is scary. But once you do it, you, it, it's just like there's no other way to live. To me, I mean, because I think you do create art. Yeah. Everything is, you know, I can find beauty in anything. It, once you become vulnerable to it, beauty is everything. Right. Everything is beautiful. Everything has its own specific beauty to it. But if you're not vulnerable, you'll never see it because you're, right. too, you're too afraid of, right. you know, looking foolish, looking stupid, yeah, being absolutely. embarrassed. Absolutely. And those, that's just the saddest thing in the world to me. And Lance, and you talked about, and first of all, don't even say old because you and I are not that far apart, and I refuse. But <laughs> I feel old. How about I feel old? <laughs> oh, I feel. I hear you there, though. I understand. <laughs> that. But let's talk. You are uh, you are in the acting community within Spokane Coeur d'Alene area. You are yeah. a director, and you do this on a really consistent basis. How does the act of being vulnerable uh, inform your directing or your acting in these things? I mean, in the show, I, the, the show that, is, uh, that I have is already open, Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. it's about grade schoolers and a spelling bee. And you have mm-hmm. to open yourself up to being vulnerable to remember those times and remember them yeah. honestly. Right. And I think the, the, the more easily you can do that, the better you are. The better, the more truthful, the more honest, the more in-depth you'll get, the more in-depth the performance will be. 
I mean, I've, I've done the show on stage and I've directed it now. Mm-hmm. To just tap into that vulnerable child that you are is very, at first, to be honest, it's very scary because it's like nobody wants to go back and remember being bullied or being oh, the right. bully or the horrible times we all had in, in grade school right. or middle school. But once you do it, once you accept it, it becomes really wonderful because it's like, it, in a weird way, I think the more vulnerable you are, the more you can conquer things, in my exactly. mind. And that's just my estimation right. of how it works for me. But the more vulnerable I am, the more truthful. And I feel like I, I feel like you win. I feel like if, you, if you're constantly hiding from being vulnerable and, like, you know, hiding everything and, you know, being very kind of, I don't want to say the word devious, but it kind mm-hmm. of is in your own, with about your own self, you, I, just don't think you, I just don't think you get anywhere. I think you spend all your time worrying about things that aren't worth worrying well, about. Well, right. if you're vulnerable it is and tap into it, it's very freeing, at least right. for me. Well, and vulnerability is just a part of you and your personality. And by trapping that, you're, in essence, trapping a big part of yourself. You're not yeah. letting yourself be who you are and be open and be unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to, I mean, it sounds very simplistic, but it does come back to, it's, it's kind of a simplistic mm-hmm. honesty. Right. You know, if, if, if the, more, the more vulnerable you are, the more honest you become. And the more honest you become, ultimately, you will be a much happier person. Exactly. And it's really uh, the only way to relate to another person is to allow yourself to admit that you can understand that experience, no matter how horrific or embarrassing it is. Yeah. Oh, it's very true. I mean, th- that's the thing. Is I think once you become vulnerable, you look around and you'll see that everyone yeah. is going through the same thing you are. Yeah. Not in the exact, not exactly, but everybody has those moments of dread, those moments of, oh, God, I wish that didn't happen. Right. But when you face them, Right. It's just it, to me. It's very. It's just empowering. Yeah. I know that, like I said, that's simplistic, but it, it, it is what it is for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I spent years, you know, not being really open about who I was or what I wanted in my life. And right. once I became more open about it, and I accepted things, it's like okay, nothing is that big a deal now. Right. Right. You know, that's that's the wonderful yeah. release for me. Is it's like you yeah. know, okay, yeah, absolutely. It's a good thing. And everyone is going through this, you know, human condition. It is a little bit of pain and suffering, but, you know, it's a mix of everything. Uh, what did you find worked the best for you to get to where you are, where you're open to vulnerability? You know, it, it's, it was the feeling of not, it came down to being truthful with myself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and it was very painful. Like I said, it took a few years and, you know, a little therapy. I won't lie about that. Right, yeah. But, no but, shame in that. It, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, and that's the thing. that's the other thing. I think once you understand that, you know, we all are going through it, then there's no shame involved in it. Exactly, exactly. But it's just, it just took years of you know, and it's like I, be, I finally decided to know I was a good actor, but I didn't think I was a great actor, and I, I took a, a kind of a advanced course, and it's like, and the lady who taught it basically said, she said, until you're honest with yourself, you can never be honest with those fifteen hundred or two hundred right. people right. sitting in front of you. Right. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. It, that, that's just it, how it goes. It's, it's a performance, no matter mm-hmm. what, then. Mm-hmm. And she said that's not that's interesting to watch for, like, 30 seconds. Right, right, right exactly. exactly. So, Lance, it's, it's, yeah, you know. it, right. Thank you for coming on and, you know, talking to us about the vulnerability and honesty um, oh. and, and about your, your show Spelling Bee, where, you know, that kind of takes place. When is that uh, on again? We, we, this, we're in our second weekend now. Perfect. We run two more weekends Perfect. in Coeur d'Alene at the modern Coeur d'Alene. Okay. Which is great. And Thursday through Sunday. Oh, great. We have a matinee coming up in about a half an hour. 
There oh, you go. Wow. So thank you for taking yeah, time wow. right before showtime. You Not are a problem. Invested. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks. You have a great day. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. One of the things I want to say about Spelling Bee, which is fascinating, he talks about a time, I think, in our lives, you were talking about how we learn shame as children. We do. Spelling Bee, for a lot of people, really is a pivotal moment because first, you're getting on stage, which is terrifying. Oh, yeah. You're going to, you're putting yourself out there for Mm -hmm. judgment and you're actually having people judge you. And in that moment, two things can happen. You can learn that it's okay no matter what happens on that stage. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be that vulnerable and to put yourself out there. Or if you're shamed for it, or maybe you don't do too well and the way your your parents or your guardians choose to react to that isn't the best. Right. In that moment, you're going to learn if it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's exactly it. you. You do have to learn it on. And I think parents and teachers have a strong hand in that. Look, when I was a kid... I had two languages to worry about, two languages to learn how to spell in, all you know, all of this stuff, and I sucked at spelling, and I was shamed for it in school. I never did a spelling bee, thank God, but you know, I got terrible, terrible grades when it came to English and spelling, and I got shamed for that. And I, you know, as a kid, I quit. I was like, I don't, I right. hated writing. I never want to do this. I suck at this. I'll just do math and all the stuff I understand, and, and that now, was fine. Just seriously read some of Sergey's articles exactly. because. Well, and it took, it took me so long to get through that. I mean, until I started writing two years ago, and you kind of helped me you know, kickstart that, I thought I was the worst writer. I hated it. Mm-hmm. I could not do it. Right. But now, I mean, you, you went in, you vulnerable. got your, you your degree, and you talk about math and that yeah. being your strong skill. You went and got your degree in being an engineer, and right, you're really exactly. good at that. But I think what you, I think we limit ourselves. We do. And we, we do. say, well, I'm only going to be good on this side. But now, what you can realize mm-hmm. is that I'm good at both. But you can't get there unless you're willing to yeah. be vulnerable. One of the things I want to say about shame is I believe that shame is the bodyguard of vulnerability. The only way to get to vulnerability is going to be getting past shame. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to start having those conversations or else more shootings right. are right. going to happen. More, yeah. you yeah. know, pulse is situations in, in Orlando are going to happen. We have to learn to get past, to get to our vulnerable side, because it's the only way we get to the point where I find out how I can connect with you as a human being. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And that's that's so true. It's the connection between the two of us mm-hmm. and really humanity as a whole. That connection needs to be there in order for us to, you know, stop with the shootings and exactly. the bombings and everything like that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think vulnerability, connection are so intertwined. We're going to have someone else come on here. We're going to have Jeremy uh, Whittington from Spokane come on and share his opinion about vulnerability. Jeremy, are you there? I am. Awesome. Thanks for coming on our show this morning and taking a minute to talk about a subject that uh, in just mentioning vulnerability on Facebook has kind of started a little bit of a firestorm of people People having opinions on what this is. Jeremy, in your life, what do you feel about vulnerability and where do you, first of all, do you like it, not like it, and where does it manifest? Well, you know, I think that um, I grew up the gay, artistic, intellectual son of a Southern Baptist minister in rural Ohio. So <laughs> vulnerability kind of started pretty Ouch. early for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I came out when I was in high school to my dad, and, um, and we are best friends now to this oh, day. Oh, wow. Um, God. But, you know, that started a, a dialogue between us and between me and the world, really, about 
you know, who I am in the world. And I think, you know, this play deals with sixth graders. And so, you're, you're talking about uh, each of them are in their own way finding what um, uh, what their strengths are through their vulnerabilities. It's a really mm-hmm. beautiful show. Well, and we were talking uh, just between uh, Lance Babbitt was just on, and we were talking about a spelling bee in school really is one of the first pivotal moments for kids to learn if vulnerability is okay because you're putting yourself out there on that stage. You're going to be judged for what you do. And it's all in how the people around us who like our parents and our teachers react to that moment that is going to teach a child the lesson of, is it okay that I'm going to be vulnerable now? Or is it not okay? Because if I fail, everybody's going to shut me down. I think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. That. It starts at such an early age, right. Jeremy. And for you know, for your story, what was your you know shame as a kid? Were you shamed for being vulnerable, or was there a big thing you know that um, you were told you couldn't do, and now you excel at? Well, you know, I was never really. Um, our family wasn't really emotionally um, expressive. Right. I guess you would right. say um, there was no abuse or anything like that, and it was a, a loving home. Um, but we never had that kind of connection where I felt that I could talk to my parents about anything vulnerable, my sexuality, um, you know, my art even, um, uh, were things that just kind of were internalized for so long for me um, that when I started coming out to my friends uh, in junior high and high school and then eventually to my parents, um, the relief that that provided um emotionally and artistically really changed the course of my life. And, you know, so many kids just aren't uh, in a position where they're able to do that. Uh, And I think that, um, you know, they suffer a little longer for that. So I think that vulnerability is um, definitely an important and and really practiced quality to have. There are oftentimes, you know, when... when, uh, you feel like you're stronger by doing something yourself. And um, I happen to also be in recovery. So um, I've, I've learned that I can't do anything on my own. Right. So, um, yeah, vulnerability is, is definitely key, I think, to strength. It's kind of a, a paradox that when we seek out um, these connections with others that expose our weaknesses, we actually spread that shame or guilt mm-hmm. or... Um, or hurt, you know, along along the human lines, and it kind of lessens the burden on us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you think that you would, because you're a set designer, is that correct? I am. Do you think that the willingness, and you talk about being in recovery, you know, I, I think a lot that we learn coping mechanisms because we don't want to be vulnerable, and part of that addiction is a, is a way that we have learned to cope with things that are going on. Do you find that being willing to be that vulnerable not only has helped you in recovery, but informs your art? Definitely, I do. Um, there's there's a, uh, a certain exposure that comes with any kind of artistic expression. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that when I open myself up to other people's ideas, or when I express uh, a presumed weakness of my own, right that that art tends to become stronger in its message. Mm-hmm. See, and that, and I think we, we 
don't understand that, you know, some of us who fight vulnerability because we don't want to feel what we would perceive as weakness, don't understand that what we're also taking away from ourselves is that openness to create and be and feel new, vibrant things. Right. You steal them, you know, you may block the pain, but you steal the joy. Exactly. When you close that door, you can't let anything out, but you can't let anything in either. It's just you're blocked out from the world. Exactly. That's very true. You know, being a part of this show out here in Coeur d'Alene has really just re um, re-inspired me to to tap into that vulnerability again. I mean, we have six kids, well, we're adults, but we're all playing right. sixth graders, um, <laughs> whose stories expose these really intimate and somewhat heartbreaking moments in these kids' lives. But through the course of the show, uh, each of us makes connections, well, most of us, one of us doesn't make a connection, <laughs> but most of us make connections with the others you know, exposing our weaknesses, and we come out at the end of the show in just beautifully transformative ways. So. And see, and I think that's amazing, and I, I know you have a matinee coming, and, and everything. That's right, so. actually, they just called me to the stage, so I'm going to have to <laughs> yeah. a little bit short. Yeah, <laughs> not a so problem. Fine. Jeremy, yeah. <laughs> have a uh, break a leg out there, and thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much. Come see our show. Definitely. Oh, we will. All right, bye. 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 And again, what I find fascinating about the Spelling Bee mm-hmm. show, which is, like he said, is happening at the Modern Theater in Coeur d'Alene, is it's that those pivotal moments that we begin to learn right. what shame is. And like mm-hmm. I said earlier, uh, Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly, talks a lot about how shame is what blocks you, mm-hmm. blocks you from feeling vulnerable. Yeah. As creative people yeah. like you and I are, that's what the show is, even when we're talking politics, when we're interviewing celebrities, it's about being willing to be vulnerable because let me tell you we go on the mics mm-hmm. and you know now and then we'll get letters criticizing us yeah you have to be willing to put yourself out there exactly and you're gonna get that hate mail and you're gonna get well, the we people got some hate mail oh, this week. and i love it it just shows us <laughs> hey we're loud enough to reach out there right people right. hear us yeah that's good you know you and i saw title of show uh yes. just this this last week and there was a song there uh, that is called Die, Vampire, Die. And it kind of touches on some yeah. of these uh, messages. I mean, uh, a vampire, as the show talks about, is anything or any idea or any thought that, you know, takes away from your self-creativity. Right. Um, you know, things that you're not good enough or uh, maybe don't the be too loud dialogue. or kind of turn it down a bit. You know, those kinds of things that tell you that I can't. And you really do have to go out Slay those vampires. Um, you do you have just to like d- Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Jonathan? You're yes. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, hallelujah. Slay it's the vampires, true, and move on because they're just there to block you. And let's be honest. So when we, st- I started this conversation on Facebook when I started reading this book that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. and what hit me the most was the the reaction yeah. of people. And let's be honest. Let's even go back a couple more weeks when we had. Our uh, our friend Damon L. Jacobs, who is a relationship therapist mm-hmm. out of Manhattan, when he was on, and I admitted fully that I am actively in therapy. Right. And we talked about how the reaction to that is you're looked at as weak by some people. You ha- But in order to even admit that someone would be wanting to look at themselves, mm-hmm. you are considered vulnerable. And therefore, right. we are taught to right. judge you for right. being honest. When all it is is a way to find out how vulnerable I can be. Mm -hmm. But let's look at society. Brene Brown is right, I think, when she looks at culture and says, you know, 
this is a problem. I mean, one of the conversations I've even mentioned on the show before is uh, running into uh, Philip Tyler, NAACP president, and talking about the power of words. It feeds right into vulnerability. It does. The words do have a lot of power. And, you know, to talk about that, we're going to bring Philip Tyler here with the NAACP uh, to talk a little bit about that. Philip, are you there? I am. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Thank you for for calling in. I ran into you a few weeks ago, and you were talking about the power of words. And I I wondered if you wouldn't mind expounding upon that for our listeners who, you know, weren't part of our conversation in a coffee shop. (laughs) Yeah, I I was uh, talking about how really today in our political discourse, um, the, the language and the impact of that language that we're using is truly having an impact, not on not only on deepening our relationships, well, separating our relationships from one another, but truly um, modeling behavior that our youth are going to be seeing, and that's really going to, I think, devastate um, mm-hmm. the ability for people to connect moving forward in our society mm-hmm. to, to come together moving forward. Exactly. And we get caught up in not only what we've learned culturally about about words, but we get caught up so much in specific words that we forget to have the conversation that needs to be to be had. Obviously, that's a big conversation in the African-American community across our nation right now as, uh, you know, very lives of people are being affected by by violence and that we can't get past the words of Black Lives Matter. We can't get past the words of Blue Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And we get stuck before having the conversation we need to have, and I personally feel it's because we, we, are, we don't want to be that vulnerable. That's a scary, it's an uncomfortable conver- conversation to have. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. I think it, it, it's more about the socialization of our society. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when I talk about words matter, you hear stuff growing up, and I, I was exposed to this too, and I suffered from it. You know, be a man, take it like a man. Right. You know, right. And, and these are saying to our young men, and even, even our young ladies out there, that, it's, that being vulnerable is a bad thing, um, right. when actually it's, it's what's holding a lot of us back from developing those strong relationships. Yes, um, right. Like I had mentioned, you know, as a black male, I suffered from this until I finally had to learn um, that knowing, you know, naming and sharing my emotions, i.e. being vulnerable, mm-hmm. deepen those relationships and help me break down that masculinity image that's been forced upon us. You know, it was more right. about emotional resilience versus emotional suppression. And I think that's what right. I was doing as a young youth, and I think that's what minority people of color are doing today, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. so these words that, you know, put you down, we, we were just talking about how, you know, we watched a show and they called them vampires. And it's the things that, you know, bring you down or tell you, you know, to be a man or uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. How, what have you found the, is the best way to fight those vampires? I mean, how do you battle words that are used to hurt you and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to go beyond that. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is not unlike any other muscle memory skill we have. Um, when I meet with uh, people, you know, as the president of the NAACP, one of the things I always say to them when I first meet them is, you know, I come here vulnerable. Uh, I want us to be able to express how we feel and then learn from one another, not, not from a standpoint of charity, but from a standpoint of solidarity and vulnerability. I think when you meet and, and engage from that place, that's when you truly can meet and understand someone. But it's a, but it's a learned and practiced behavior. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. not a one-off. Uh, well, boy, I've, I've met this guy, and I thought I was really open and honest. Right. And that's it. It has to be continually practiced and, and learned. And it has to be modeled by those we look at and look up to. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things we've been talking about the book by Brene Brown, which is Daring Greatly, and she talks about how oh, she feels. Yes. About which her is, dead, dead talk. I loved it. Oh, I know. Amazing. Right. And one of the things that uh, she brings up is she feels like as a culture, the reason we're in this violent time is because we are not allowing ourselves to be real to be vulnerable with each other so there's only we have to have an outlet and it's causing (laughs) it's causing these horrible you know getting stuck in the words and and using guns as our our words for us what do you think about that concept i think that's accurate and and you know um as as the president i'm going to speak from an apolitical standpoint here but there are individuals in our present campaign that really speak to the heart of what Brene Brown said in a TEDx mm-hmm. uh, video I, I watched um, some time ago. She said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, sure. the only people who don't experience shame don't have the capacity or, or empathy or connection. Exactly. And when you see that kind of behavior modeled out there and people um, then behaving in that same way, that's what creates this polarization uh, and damage to, to communication and relationships. Exactly. Um, it, it's just troubling. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. And I think, and I love uh, the work that you do, especially in our community here in Spokane, Washington, because it's a way to continue a dialogue. It's mm-hmm. it's not about stopping, and I I'm, have no doubt you run into people who don't want to hear what you have to say, but you you are able to continue that conversation. So we definitely support you here on our show. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> so thank you, sir. And you have a great Sunday. Thanks for calling in. I shall. You too. All right, bye. Bye-bye. And that was uh, Philip Tyler. He is the current president of the NAACP Spokane chapter. Talking about what's going on right now, as we've been talking about the Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly, and this mm-hmm. concept of it is through fear and shame that our culture is becoming more violent. And we're also talking about how it's a block to our creativity that it's a way for us to not express ourselves uh, when we refuse ourselves the this ability to be vulnerable. Right, exactly. I mean, it ties in f- so many conversations here, and I think it's an incredible subject to explore. I, You know, okay, so a, a while back I read a little study that said people involved in mass shootings, um, the people who are the criminals, and right. these, they have one thing in common and it's not race it's not socioeconomic status those things might have some correlation but that wasn't right. it the most common thing was that they were all male and i think that brings into you know the conversation how does shame play into masculinity yes. and our macho society which yeah. then in turn brings in you know the violent society that right because it's the only way you have to express yourself we want to bring on another caller uh tiffany from spokane is on the line tiffany are you there I am. How are you guys? Wonderful. How are you this fine day? I'm excellent. Oh, good. Well, you know, we're talking about this very big word, really. It seems so small, but it has a huge impact when you bring it up to people. Vulnerability. And we'd love just to get to your viewpoint on vulnerability. Sure. Um, so I like to view vulnerability as in um, like a schoolyard bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, our vulnerabilities, I don't think, are something that we're inherently born with. Um, it's exposure and interactions that, that teach us that we're vulnerable in a certain situation or with a certain topic. Right, right. So you just have to kind of embrace those and then take the reins and figure out how to make yourself stronger. So the point of those vulnerabilities, they may still affect you, um, but they don't control you at this point. Right. right. I, I love that you say that they aren't, you know, something we're born with and we're taught them. Um, 
But you know, what you're saying is that they can be a source of inspiration and power and empowerment for yourself. Um, how have you found that, you know, to be true in your life or others? Uh, well, I, I, um, my vulnerability is when anybody brings up mental health. So yes. I'm a major depressive disorder type person, which mm-hmm. basically means that my brain does not produce enough serotonin. Mm-hmm. Um, the huge stigma that surrounds mental health, um, even in the even in the professional field, if I'm to tell a psych student that I take a daily medication, mm-hmm. the response is, "Oh well, I'm not that bad." So then there's this huge kind of guilt and shame over something right. that I don't physically have any control over. Mm-hmm. So it was learning to change my perspective and address the question and the issues a slightly different way to make it more proactive instead of reactive, mm-hmm. so that now I share my story and all my struggles so that other people could get an inspiration from it. And I don't feel worried or concerned about, you know, how anybody else would take that because right. that's, that's their mind, not my mind. So you, you take uh, embracing vulnerability as a way of strength instead of letting it tear you down. Absolutely. Now, you know, we were talking earlier about um, that we have a, a relationship therapist on and, and admitting that just the act of admitting to be even actively in therapy, you know, not even admitting. I mean, that's all this very simple act. And yet as a society, we're taught to judge that. Just like you said, we're taught to judge. Oh, you say there's medication. Why do you think that is? And, and do you think it's going to be through the act of more of us being open and honest about it that's going to? hopefully change society's view? Or do you feel like that that's a cultural thing we have right now? Well, I think, like, the stigma surrounding mental health, um, it goes back so far in history. And a lot of it was, I mean, a lot of it falls on the same thing like stereotypes do. Um, as, a, as a human being, we tend to like to feel superior to something else. Right. And then we can justify and rationalize our own actions as in, well, at least I'm not that bad. Or at least I'm not that person. Right. Um, it's a it's a coping mechanism that I think we all kind of inherently use. Um, it's it's really ineffective, but it makes mm. us feel better by thinking those thoughts by being judgmental in any right. topic that you can think of. Exactly. You know. So really, what we need is awareness, and we need people to go out and talk their stories, and we need to be able to somehow change the perspective of the conversation so it's not all about your better than. Right. But that they're still the same. Right, yeah. And, and you know, and still make people feel empowered and good and all that great stuff. Right, exactly. and that vulnerability, you know, and being open and sharing your story is really a huge, huge part of being connected as as humans and humanity. I mean, that's how we can connect to each other, seeing, wow, that's your story, here's mine, we share we're really in the same boat here together. We're human beings. Absolutely. Right, exactly. Yeah, in the end. Tiffany, thank you so much for taking time to share your perspective on uh, vulnerability with us today. I appreciate it. No, thank you, guys. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. And like we said, big conversation over a small word, vulnerability. Uh, there, and there may be time for one more. Uh, if you're out there, feel free to call in. But till then, we're probably going to take a brief break before we, we move on. This is going to be the song Homecoming by Taking Back Sunday. You are back with KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Outspoken. And this has been an amazing show. We just started with the concept of one word, mm-hmm. vulnerability. And with 
the amazing response from callers and people on Facebook, what we've learned, what I think, is that vulnerability is everywhere. We've right. talked about politics. We've talked about racism. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about creativity. And we've talked about in them all, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable in order to move past mm-hmm. the negative parts of all of those things. Right. And in the future, we've talked about culture. We have. Uh, and, it, and the anger, angry part of it. And violence exactly there's been such a big conversation and there's so many you know pockets to delve into i mean it's really a a all-encompassing uh topic and here's what i challenge all of our listeners and all of the great callers who've called in obviously this touches a lot of people um vulnerability is not easy in our lives but it is a way to move forward so find something this week that maybe puts you in that vulnerable spot, gets you out of your comfort zone there it is. to learn There's more. There's the challenge. Uh, we also want to uh, encourage everyone to read the book, Daring Greatly, by Brene Brown, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead, Sold Where All books can be found and you can also find it online of course amazon and all those great sites as well go check it out and another thing you should check out is this week's fun drive this is our fall fun drive kyrs's uh six month little little thing and so we are raising money um to keep the station on to keep the community station it's all about you more shows like this can happen happen, and all of the other amazing local shows yes that you can listen to lots of music, lots of talk, and you have the boys. I yeah. mean, I don't Come know on. how much you need more than the outspoken boys. Pretty much that's all you need. Really. <laughs> and be vulnerable. And we do want to mention, so we're not going to be here next week because of the fun drive. And Sergey and I, we're going to be out celebrating my big birthday. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And then we want to say on October 2nd, we will be back and we're going to welcome Lance Babbitt back to the show because he is going to, uh, he has directed the Rocky Horror uh, picture show is going to be at Civic. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to have an author on, author of the book Mommy Smearist by L. Lasur. And then Terrain, who is a local, uh, Terrain is the local art show that thousands of people go to. It's every a huge deal. Year. So we'll talk year. to them as well. So, anyway, so don't, don't miss it. That's going to be on October 2nd. And until then, have a very vulnerable week. <laughs>